Welcome back, one and all. Tonight is the night we are back. A brand new episode of Jackson Kayak Doc Talk. New panel coming your way. Episode 31 starts. up everybody welcome back doc talk hope you like the intro we keep playing that thing you guys are probably ready for a new intro by now um as always my name is chad brock and i have assembled a brand new kind of new kind of not new panel for tonight's episode of doc talk so let's go around the room we'll let wyatt go first introduce yourself wyatt tell us where you're from well my name is wyatt guard i'm from center point indiana uh out of the midwestern part of the state. <clears throat> there you go. Up in the, uh, there we go. Up in the other corner, or the middle now, Mr. Blatt, tell us a little bit about you, where you hail from, and uh, all that fun stuff. Oh, well, uh, I, I like to say where I live. I, I live in New Hampshire. Um, unless the Saints are winning, then I tell people I was born and raised in New Orleans, but I don't want to talk about last week's game, but but they're in second place in the conference at five and seven, which is pathetic. Um, but uh, yeah, from New Orleans, and now I live in the middle between. I live on the New Hampshire side between New Hampshire and Vermont on the Connecticut River. You know, we're almost brothers because <laughs> you guys had Drew Brees down there in New Orleans for the Saints there for the longest time. He's a Purdue boy, which Purdue, yes, I, as an Indiana guy, Purdue is near and dear to my heart. Um, boiler up for those that uh, like IU. Yeah, that's where we're at. Um, so tonight we got a new fun episode of Doc Talk. We've, uh, we're going to be talking about some different things. We've got these guys assembled, but tonight's topic is finding fish uh finding fish while kayak fishing is always a thing and it's always a big question you know when you've got some new folks that are entering the sport one of their first questions is how do i find fish so these guys and myself tonight are gonna we're gonna ring around this thing michael is a guide wyatt is a tournament fisherman um i'm a jack of all trades so tonight we're gonna talk about finding fish in your kayak and give some tips and tricks um, on how to help you maybe find more fish. So we're going to start with Wyatt. You're in the big panel right now. What are some of the things that you do? You've, let's say you've got a tournament coming up next weekend, a body of water that you've never seen before. What are some of the things that you do as an angler um, that fishes a tournament? Um, how do you how do you find those fish? Well, first thing for me, just be looking for that familiar water. Uh, something I know how to fish, whether it's wood structure or grass or whatever I feel comfortable fishing. Um, if it's a new body of water, I'll look for those similarities and go from there. That's that's my main focus as soon as I hit a place is look for something similar. <clears throat> how about you, Michael? Like, what do you what's your initial go once you you know you, you have a so why it's a tournament angle you're a guide so when you're looking for when you start looking for fish what are some of the first things that you're looking for in in finding those fish for your clients you know i i like to tailor my experiences per client so get a feel for their experience level and if i have someone who has casted a fishing rod before I like to go with baits that I know in the area at that time of year will get bit, uh, whether it's a crankbait or a chatterbait or a drop shot. You know, it's something that, is, that I'm familiar with that I know if I throw it right here and it doesn't get bit, there's either no fish there or they're not biting that. 
And so I, I usually go to my go-to baits and uh, if there's a new body of water, uh, I'll go work it for a day, two days, three days, and I'll rarely change up lures uh, just until I find a fish. Because uh, I, I know what it feels like when there's a bite and I know what bites on certain lures. And so I like to go with something I'm comfortable with. And it's a rod and a reel combo that I know I will be able to hand off to one of my clients. Now, Wyatt, when you, when you start looking around at new water, how much time do you spend looking at your phone, looking at Google? I mean, what are some of the things that maybe you look for when you start kind of processing a, a body of water visually um, to maybe find that starting spot that you know you want to kind of check out for practice for an event? Uh, well, for example, the uh, Jackson Kayak Classic uh, for the USA Bassin down at Kentucky Lake, I probably spent, a, I mean, a month and a half ahead on Google Maps just zooming in on anything I could see that, you know, was familiar to me, not necessarily on the lake because I'd never seen the lake before, but um any similarities to home waters um just because of my being comfortable on how i like to fish which can sometimes hurt me but uh definitely you know <laughs> i probably should have spent more time on the water leading up to the tournament but that time isn't always there and any term angler knows that i mean we all have our struggles on you know getting down there wherever it may be and spending that extra time in the water where it's due to work or whatever. But yeah, any map usage, topo maps, anything, uh, they just get really studied. I mean, that's, that, yeah, that's probably my biggest thing I do as far as, you know, especially being going out of state or something like that. So now, it's kind of a, a secondary question to this. You're you're a hunter, um, bow hunter um, for whitetail and different things like that. How much do you feel like looking at topo maps and stuff for like for hunting and fishing? How much do you feel like that topographical images relate um, to fish movement, or do you think about that kind of stuff maybe in the same way when you're fishing versus hunting? Oh. I mean, across fishing, hunting, and in my situation, through my work even, um, we went, we make roads through the woods to get logs out. So, I mean, that's something I even study through work because you have to be able to get that stuff out efficiently. But if the terrain's too rough, I mean, you have to use the terrain as it lies. I mean, you can't change it. So, I mean, on a lake, you cannot see what's under the water and that the topo map is just a to go to to see that creek channel or that ravine that may run you know hundreds of yards out into the lake with a you know a sharp drop off or something so that's an easy tool to use i mean you can find any sort of depth change or anything like that through that so right on right on now michael you are talking about topo maps and mapping you're a hummingbird guy, best I recall. Um, how much of the color shading, like I, a lot of these newer electronics and different things come out that are coming out now um, on the mapping side. And hummingbird has probably the best color coordinating for mapping um, to show drop offs of different things. How much do you use that and how does it translate every day into really keying in on like once you find a depth that, you know, fish are really holding in? Um, how much does that play into your day to day? So, uh, in the kayaks, I honestly, <laughs> for a year and a half of having that hummingbird, uh, helix nine, I don't think I turned the map on maybe once or twice just to mark a spot, uh, on, you know, my, my go-to places. But mm -hmm. when I got my bass boat, I, I very quickly realized I didn't understand why they would put a helix nine at the bow where mm -hmm. you're standing all day wishing you had a bigger screen and they put a helix 12 in the cockpit. Right. Until you press the mapping button. <clears throat> and mm -hmm. uh, on Labor Day weekend, uh, 
we got invited to a friend's house on Lake Winnipesaukee, which is the largest lake in, I don't know if, uh, I mean, Champlain is massive. Winnipesaukee is right up there. And Winnipesaukee is known for salmon, trout, and they've got some large mouth and small mouth. But from what I know, the tournaments there, if you're not a, if you're not experienced with this lake, you struggle. And uh, the morning that I was taking my wife's cousin and then my good friend Joe out, uh, again, Labor Day weekend, you have to get out before 7 a.m. or else you are fighting seven-foot swells just from the boat traffic. So we had to get out there. Well, at 6 a.m., there was a boat in the middle of nowhere in front of their house, like maybe a half mile to a mile in the middle of Lake Winnipesaukee. And from what I know, Lake Winnipesaukee is 112, 150 feet deep in most parts in the middle. Well, very quickly, I realized when we took the boat out, that color shading, uh, there was an underwater island right where that boat was at 6 a.m. And I was like, guys, we're going to go check that out. I want to see this. And it went from 60 feet up to about 20 feet. And then there were some 12 foot deep spots. And we dropped the drop shot down. I have never fished Lake Winnipesaukee. One cast, three and a half pound smallmouth. Second cast, three and a half pound smallmouth. And I and I hadn't even casted yet. This is my my wife's cousin and my friend Joe. And um, the the pictures spoke for themselves. And so then the waves are starting getting a little treacherous. We had to move. And they're like, where should we go? So I looked at the topo map and I said, you know what? I think we should go here. Let's go to a little ledge. Let's go throw some chatterbaits, you know, around some some boulders. And all of a sudden, we start pulling in more smallmouth from 12-foot deep, crystal clear water. That's another thing about Winnipesaukee. Uh, you can see 12 to 20 feet down in most calm spots of the lake. And so that was the first time that I ever was in a new spot, grabbed the hummingbird, grabbed the color coding, and saw success with it. And so then I said, all right, well, I wasn't getting paid for that day. Now let's transfer that to some new bodies. Now, I don't take paying clients to new bodies of water that I haven't been to yet, but this kind of helped me. Uh, and the thing about going to new bodies of water and Wyatt will attest to this, Chad, you'll attest to this, and any angler, when you go to it with confidence, when you, when you can use a map with confidence or why if you look on Google maps and say, you know what, there's a drop off there. I'm going to fish that. And you go there and three seconds in you're on a fish. You're, you're like, all right, I know how to read a map. I know how to catch a fish. It's, it's not that we're, we're any better at the next person in doing it. It's that we, we did it. We saw success and now we have the confidence in knowing of uh, our ability to do that. Yeah, what you're zooming in right there, Chad, that's that's probably one of the, the worst things about this lake is island after island after island. And you can't move in between all of that stuff because, uh, I mean, it, it gets three feet deep and all of a sudden there's a boulder the size of a house that's six inches under the water. Granted, they're all marked. Uh, they do a pretty good job on Lake Winnipesaukee in marking those hazards. But... Um, you know, again, going and finding those fish was uh, was a real confidence boost in my ability to read a map. I like it, man. How'd you like that? Pulling up the whole, you got different things <laughs> going on. I like it. Uh, no, do you know the secret about Lake Winnipesaukee? Do you, I don't. Uh, Fill us in. So uh, some of the greatest parts to fish there, there are these old rails that the Navy would put mm -hmm. uh, mock submarines on uh, around world mm -hmm. war ii and they would paint these fake submarines and test out the paint because the water was so clear they'd lower mm -hmm. these submarine tops down the track to a depth uh and they would test to see if you could see that submarine from mm -hmm. a plane as it slipped underwater uh 10 feet by 50 feet by 100 feet and so they mm -hmm. were testing camouflage at lake winnipesaukee and uh, that's kind of the, the Navy used Lake Winnipesaukee back in World War II to test submarine paint. Yeah, that's very cool. 
Very cool. Now, transitions play a big part in finding fish. Um, you know, fish have movements, fish have patterns. We've kind of talked about the topo map a little bit. When you... Um, sorry, I started reading other things. When you start looking at transitions, what kind of paths are you looking for? Um, like from, you know, winter to spring to summer and then back to fall. What are some of the things that you guys are looking for, um, in your fishing to find fish, um, throughout the seasons? Well, obviously bait, I mean, bait fish is the key to all bass fishing. I mean, you have to have some sort of bait, whether it be a bluegill shad or whatever you might have in your area. But, um, you know, early spring, wherever that water's warming up quicker is a lot of times where your bait fish is going to be. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and the same goes for the fall. I mean, you're, you're going to have some colder water temperatures, but there's going to be times where, you know, or certain times of the day where, especially if the sun's out or whatever, um, some shallow water might be warming up fairly quick. And if it's loaded with bait fish, you're going to have bass there. So that's something I really look for, especially in those uh, borderline cold temperatures. Um, I, I want to share a really fun secret, uh, especially in New England for spring fishing. You know, when, when we have that transition where we're, everybody's waiting for ice out, you know, the the boat launches, the docks haven't gone in yet. People are really starting to fish. I look for the new fishermen or the new social media fishermen mm-hmm. who haven't figured out how to blur their backgrounds yet. And they are really excited to share with people that they are catching fish before anybody else is in the springtime. Mm-hmm. And man, when they take a photo and there's the the hotel sign from the lake that you know, and the mountain in the background with the interstate right there, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. uh, they haven't quite figured out how to blur that background yet. And, you know, when you, and there's always like a local fishing page, uh, you know, it's like, Hey, got this guy today. Can't tell you where, but he was five pounds. Um, you know, and like, and, you know, he hasn't figured out how to blur the background yet. So you're like, okay, I know where that is. Uh, I can't remember who it was. I, I want to say, oh man, I think it was our ice fishing episode last year, Chad. Um, when we were talking about you post a really good picture of a good fish from two weeks ago at the spot you were fishing before you moved to a new spot. And so that that's kind of the cardinal rule. If you want to, you know, if you want to empty out some places to fish in spring and fall, post a photo from two weeks ago where it's clearly marked of where you were. And then all of like the places you want to go are now going to the places where you were. Uh, so I think we've all had that story. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going to be I've said it on here before and I'll say it again. I'm guilty of it. If I've. If I'm going to a place and I know my practice is and I've got to fish a tournament or or do something where I need to find fish fast or I know I've only got a day, I will I will pull up Fish Brain app. I will pay for the subscription, the three day or or three month subscription or whatever it is. I'll get on there and I'll look at all the little hot spots, the clusters of where these people have caught fish over the years. And I will use those hot spots to say well this area seems to have a lot of fish okay it's got small mouth okay it's got large mouth and i'll take off there on a whim uh pull up my map and kind of see the contour of the of the lake and then i know kind of the area where i want to be so i'll start scanning that until i figure out what exactly is down there and then i can start fishing it but it's a good cheat code you know for someplace when you've only got a day and you need to like hustle up and catch something but you can take that information and kind of relay that to the rest of the lake. You can study the rest of the lake with that information and, you know, you might be able to pick up a pattern that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that um, I'm going to pull 
something back up here. We're going to go back to the share screen, maybe. Window, boom, boom. So I've pulled up a cove here. Um, this cove, to me, if I'm looking for fish, this is kind of a, a textbook area. And I'm going to show you why. This this cove obviously faces to the north. Everything is moving north. The sun's hitting it from the south, you know, through the fall. And this is kind of one of the places that I would look at traditionally if I'm looking for something. Um, you can see here I've got some hard hard ledges out here in the main lake that are feeding off a creek channel. And then you've got the main main drag running through here. But you've got these ledges where these fish are going to get out and, and kind of be you know summer winter this is kind of going to be that spot that they hang it's going to be out of harm's way because one one thing fish do hate is a north wind or a east wind uh nine times out of ten so you've got a really nice bank here to block them from the north wind you've got a nice bank here that's going to block them from the east wind you know they can kind of run up and down these these points um all summer long feeding on bait fish and it's quick access back here to the to the shallows if they need to but you've also got all these structures back here so you hear a lot of guys talk about secondary points as they're moving through the seasons um you've got isolated cover on all these spots um old railroad old road beds bridges uh foundations different things that make these secondary points a great place for fish to hold but then you've also got if you look on google maps you can zoom in right here and you've got rock so you've got a really good hard bottom all the way back through here where fish going to get up and spawn you've probably got some clay back up in here as you get a little further um still showing a lot of rocks but you can see the clay point really comes out um so you've got all those secondaries that kind of cruise back through there and there again you've got secondary structure for these fish to hold on all the way back up into the main creek um where they might go so it kind of gives gives those fish a really big travel corridor um, and a place to move, you know, when they've, when they want to spawn or they're coming out from winter, they've got something to hold on in each place as they start working their way up. And if somebody's, this is somebody's fishing spot, I do apologize because I just pulled off a random lake that is nowhere near me and started talking about it. But that's kind of what some of the things that I look at um, to, to start finding fish, I think out of the gate when I'm, Talking about mapping and the different things that go go into that, or move that, if that makes sense to anybody. So that's kind of how I use my maps. I always, you know, in the fall, I always try to think about the north. Um, it's just one of those places that as the water starts to warm, if you can find like riprap, if you can find rock, anything out there that's, you know, genuinely going to hit sun, it's going to warm up, those rocks are going to hold heat longer in the spring that water is going to warm up faster that way those are going to be kind of some of your first fish i think that really start to come up wouldn't you guys agree from what you've seen well definitely <clears throat> um, I, uh, I had i had a trip uh I, I was actually reluctant to to take this this trip uh this guy emailed me on halloween uh he's got no kids and this, this this showed he emailed on Halloween and wanted a two day pike fishing only trip. And he didn't want to go to Lake Champlain. He didn't want to troll for hours on end. He uh -huh. wanted to go to some smaller lakes in Vermont and catch trophy pike. And uh, I was tooling around one of these lakes one day and saw a pike that must have been 35 inches, 40 inches long in maybe five feet of water again crystal clear water still in august and september and it's just laying on the weeds like it made itself a little bed and a, and just laid there and that's what pike do they just they just sit there and so come november the water is 59.22 degrees i remember it because i was afraid because it finally went under 60 and uh I, I was just like, how am I going to get this guy his trophy pike? And I told him, I said, listen, I saw a pike laying in the sun on this end of the lake a month ago. Um, and I think the water might have been 70 at that point, maybe 75. Right. But I said, you know what? Let's go. You never know. 
and mm. uh, we are casting in five to ten feet of water, and he pulls in a fifteen pound forty two inch northern pike. Wow! In a five hundred acre lake, and uh, it just and 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 you talk about you know the the sun hitting a north side, hitting a south side. One of my favorite things to do in the afternoon after the warm sun uh, in the fall and the spring has warmed up the side where the fish are supposed to be is mm -hmm. to go to the other side at least yep. for an hour because oh, yeah. and the biggest fish I've ever caught in the spring has been on this side where they shouldn't have been. Yes. Uh, and it's, it, it makes no sense. And uh, mm -hmm. you know, again, this is where I go into, you know, there's electronics are great, but, if you mm -hmm. just throw out some bait, just see what happens. Yeah, yeah I think you're just going to be all caught that fish. <laughs> Go ahead, watch. All the, all the fish just ain't going to be on that north side, you know, soaking up that sun. There's mm -hmm. fish in the lake. I mean, and it may be a pressure thing, you know, if colder water and everybody's fishing that north side that is heating up more, those fish have been caught and seen every bait. They may just completely move out of the area and just, you mm -hmm. know, do things. So you have to keep your mind open, especially on pressured lakes. Yeah, for sure. And there's always going to be that one thing, I think, in in a day that's just like, it just doesn't make sense why it happened. Like, it just, you catch that fish in that one rogue area and it's like, that wasn't supposed to happen like that. <laughs> Never Sometimes caught it. it's a... Sometimes it leads down a rabbit hole. Wouldn't you guys agree, though? Oh, yeah. We've all chased that rabbit far and wide. Now, finding fish is one thing. We will all agree that's 99% of the battle. Well, 50% of the battle is finding these fish. And once you've found them, you've kind of dialed in what they're biting on. How do you, how do you go about managing them i know why you're tournament fishers and fishermen so you're going to be managing these fish anywhere from one to two days or you know through a practice period into a tournament how do you manage those fish to you know make sure that you're not i mean as a kayak angler you're going to catch them and you're going to measure them and you're going to put them back but how do you keep management on them so that you know if you need that spot for two days they're still going to be bite when you go back the next day Right. I mean, if you if you have fished the lake before, you can kind of go off of uh, some past history. You know, if you know this a certain area that holds fish and you go there to pre-fish for a two-day tournament or whatever. Uh, Patoka Lake, for example, at the uh, Grubby Championship, I went to the same spot I did the year prior, which it was a few weeks later. But the year prior, this place was just loaded with fish. And so I just went back there to practice. And in the two days of practice, I had just a couple bites. I mean, but I knew the fish were there. I mean, I did. I just couldn't figure it out. And luckily, first day of the tournament, I figured something out and put up a decent limit. But um, when it comes to your practice period, I mean, we all do it a little bit different. But some guys will even cut, go as far as cutting their hooks off i mean just to feel that bite and even if you can carry that and continue getting that same bite you pick up a little bit of a pattern you try something different leave those fish alone and go go somewhere completely different and uh that's generally why i focus on is just picking up a few bites on a certain pattern and then completely changing it up and go to a different area and see if i can come up with a different pattern and having that different pattern on the back burner if the first batch of fish don't cooperate. So now, Michael, your situation is is drastically different. I mean, in your busy season, I mean, I've seen you're you're out there almost every day. How do you keep? How do you manage all of these fish to make sure that you know that you're bringing home happy clients? Because I mean, man, shoot. Some days you could be out there six, seven days a week. Yep. Um, there's there's a couple different things. Uh, you know, there was uh, the week the week that I got the bass boat. 
um, you know, a modest 250 horses on it. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I was like, I'm unstoppable. I, if I'm not catching fish here, I can go to the other side of the lake in five, in five seconds. And mm-hmm. the first three or four days before I actually put clients on that boat, uh, I, I would voice my frustration to my wife. I, I said, you know, I'm, I'm not catching the same amount of fish from the bass right. boat that I am the kayak. And she looks at me and she says, well, baby, what do you do in your kayak trips? You know, your kayak trips, they're four hours. The full days are eight, but most of your trips are four hours. And when you go to the lake or the river, you're usually picking a direction. You're either going this way or you're going this way. It takes 45 minutes to get from the other end of the lake to this, to another spot in the kayak. So what do you do? You work an area. And so what I actually ended up doing is even on these smaller lakes is I will take a four hour trip and we will go work one, two, maybe a third spot on that lake uh, that I know holds fish. And then if I am back at that lake uh, the following day, I'm doing the opposite ends of the lake uh, that I did the day before. And Mm -hmm. just in case there's no fish on those spots, I, I usually, you know, there's a lot of fishing guides who are tournament anglers or ex tournament anglers. And you can, you can see their, their, their social media posts. Oh, we caught 50 fish in four hours. And the biggest one was four pounds. And that, you know, that's great. I'm glad you caught 50 fish, but Mm -hmm. I, I really like just teaching my guests how to work a single bait uh, to where they're comfortable casting it anywhere. I would rather them be able to cast on a dime than catch 50 fish. And so they're improving their skills. Now, again, this is case by case basis, but it's, it's working the area of a lake in a kayak until you find that bite or in a bass boat until you find that bite. And then, you know, if it's at 12 feet, if it's at 20 feet, well, let's see if anything's going to hit top water in the middle of July, you know, just off this point. And, uh, you know, here's this rod, top water lure. And, you know, people think a whopper plopper is the funniest sounding thing to ever come across the top of the water. And when something oh, actually hit it, hits it, it's really, really fun. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it's just being respectful to the body of water and making sure that you're not catching 50 fish per trip. You know, you're Mm. getting one to two trophy fish, maybe catching five to seven per person uh, instead of 12 to 15. You know, Mm. and I might not be the most popular fishing guide with that kind of outlook, but it keeps the local fishermen happy that I'm not going to outfish their lakes and rivers. Situation, I mean, in your situation, I mean, Anybody can, well, not, I'm not going to say anybody because not everybody has this opportunity, but a lot of people can go to their local pond and go catch fish. You know, they're hooking up with you and they want that, that quality fish. And yep. I'm sure that's a real struggle to, you know, use a fine tooth comb and sort through these fish and find those quality fish that you can put them on. And I'm, I, I get jealous throughout the year uh, in the middle of July. Uh, actually, it was a, uh, a group of four people, former client of my wife's from our former career uh, in the wine industry, um, who lives in Indianapolis, two, grand, two grandkids, one nephew. Hey, we go on a fishing trip every four years. We want to come see you. We want to fish for three days, full days, oh, eight wow. hour days. And we had such a good day on one of these lakes. They wanted to go back. They didn't want to see a new body of water. But this one 22-year-old kid catches a six-pound bass, and that was tied my personal best on that body of water. And he did it on wow. a drop shot in a rainstorm. And I <laughs> I was jealous. I was so jealous. You know, you got to keep your composure. You know, the pike that this guy caught, um, my, my best pike, I think he beat my best pike on that body of water, uh, open water. You know, I, ice fishing is completely different, but I, I kept my cool. You know, I didn't tell him. I didn't, I didn't want him to know. 
uh, if right. he's watching this, he's now he knows. But <laughs> now I'm gonna flip this back to Wyatt, and and one of the things that um, Michael had brought up was, you know, once he got in his boat, he had that moment where he was you know, had that mindset of I can run around a little bit more. And it took that kayak fishing to dial him, you know, reflecting on kayak fishing to dial him back as a tournament angler. You know, we see this a lot and, you know, I know you have to fish behind people often. How much does that actually being forced to break down a set of, uh, an area of water help you over, you know, these guys that come in and we see it a lot now they'll live scope it they'll pan it they'll pick up the trolley motor and they're gone or they'll hit an area real quick and then they're gone but then you'll come through it and maybe catch a fish off where they've just been because you actually have to spend the time there do you believe that you know maybe that's one of the blessings of kayak fishing is being forced to have to stay in an area longer oh definitely um there's been a lot of situations that was just going to be anybody's mentality in a kayak where you're out kayak fishing, whether it's a tournament or not. And there's a big boat tournament and in the back of your head, you're, you're almost frustrated because you know, you're going to be fishing, you know, alongside or, you know, behind these boats and fishing water. It's already been fished. So, um, I know a lot of us do it where we kind of pay attention to the boats and, you know, if they're catching fish or especially if they're not catching fish, if they're just beating the bank up and they're not catching anything, um, I may come off the bank, you know, 10, 15 feet and work that same stretch. And I, I mean, I've caught multiple fish that way, just fishing directly behind them. Or even mm -hmm. if I notice they're fishing really fast, which I see a lot of boat guys do it. And oh, I don't yeah. know how or why, but um, they will just, just blast down the bank and they're just casting left and right and i basically throw something just as similar as what they are and just slowing down will produce bites and obviously in kayak we can't cover nearly the amount of water a boat can but um yeah definitely i mean it's it, it's it really amazes me how many fish i've really caught behind boats just trailed right behind them for sure for sure now, Michael, um, for you, kind of dabbling in both worlds, um, you know, when you're talking about managing fish, do you ever feel like that maybe being in the kayak offers less of an impression on the water than maybe the boat has? Uh, have you seen have you seen a difference in your areas kayak versus boat? I guess after you've even slowed down and started taking some of your kayaking knowledge into what you're doing. Absolutely. Uh, you know, when you are running a, uh, so on my kayak, I had a pretty big trolling motor. Um, you know, I had a Minn Kota Altera. It was a 24 volt system, 80 pounds of thrust before that on my, um, on my big tuna, I had XI three, but you look mm -hmm. at the power that you need to run a XI3 in a kayak or any trolling motor from a kayak versus what you need to move a bass boat. And you can call it quiet, whatever you want, but you're using 10 times as much power to move a bass boat than you are a kayak. And so oh, any motor sure. is going to make twice as much noise. And if you're in, you know, when you toss out a lure, a fish will sometimes come from 15 feet away to get that lure if it's going to bite. And so if I'm a fish and I'm 15 feet away from a trolling motor and it's making some noise, it's going to kind of freak me out. I'm going to be a little bit more cautious. So absolutely, there's uh, it, it's been a completely different way of fishing. Um, I can definitely say, you know, in the springtime last year, uh, trolling for trout with a small motor. I mean, we're catching trout left and right. And this fall, I went back to some of the same spots in the bass boat looking for trout. And I mean, you know, yeah, it might have they might have gotten all caught from the spring because they're, you know, they're stocked. But uh, I, I feel like that that bass boat is definitely scaring some fish 
you know, it's on windy days. I would love to, to turn off the motor and just drift because I feel like I'm more in a kayak, but, but absolutely. It, I, I feel like it does definitely change the impression in the water uh, on sunny days in clear water. You are casting a massive shadow. You are not catching those fish on a drop shot directly underneath you at noon in 20 feet. Especially of <laughs> up there in New Hampshire where you are, man, you guys have got a lot of clear, yep. clear water. I mean, that's a big thing. Um, not here. <laughs> yeah, not here. Uh, <laughs> so Wyatt, when we probably should have, we probably should have done this before the managing fish, but let's say you're, you're out there, you've done your mapping, you have found the fish. Um, you found a school of fish. How much time do you spend on a on a group of fish before you you kind of eliminate those fish for a tournament and say, well, they're not big enough. I need to find something that is a little bit better than what these this group of fish seems to be. Um, in my situation, well, especially just the kayak situation. Period. You don't ever forget about those fish because. Um, if you need a limit, even though they may be smaller fish, you can always go back to them and, you know, whether you only catch a couple out of the school or, you know, wherever they're loaded up on a point or however. But if you can work at it and catch a couple of them just to help your odds getting that limit, I mean, you always have to have that on the back burner. I mean, even if they're not what you're looking for. So you can't just run across the lake all the time and, you know, move to a new spot. So that's something that's really important and, you know, keeping track of them, you know, even on throughout the middle of the day, if they're not hitting on one mm -hmm. thing, right again, and whether it's a different color, different bait, you got, you got to, you know, use that to your advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes those, sometimes that group of 12 inch fish can make a difference in a bad day and a good day, especially in a tournament, especially yeah. in a tough tournament, like what we've dealt with around here. Yep, especially like Monroe or something, you know. Yeah, something like that place. There's, uh, there's uh, why there's something that that I actually got to do for the first time this spring. Uh, I was uh, it was a kayak fishing trip, father son, and it was peak smallmouth spawn and two feet of water, two feet of clear water, and we would sit over these fish for 25 minutes a piece over these beds, and uh, I would find a pair and I would catch a fish and it was usually a three and a half, four pound smallmouth, and, uh, mm -hmm. make sure I didn't move too much, put it right back. But that fish was not biting again in the next 30 minutes. So I would, I would say, Hey, come over here, cast right here. There's a seven pound female. And mm -hmm. so you've got the male and the female in the beds. And so I'd pull the small male off the bed and then the larger female would get caught. And I mean, it was, it was one of the best days. It was so cool. And I've heard about guides making fun of themselves. Like, oh, I didn't mean to catch your fish. I'm just pulling the small ones off, you know, but right. uh, there, there is a, once you catch a few small ones, I always feel like there's a bigger one hanging around. It's like, if they get bigger, every catch, I might stay a little longer. But if they get smaller, you know, just heading out. So how much time do you put into that, Michael? Like when you're looking for clients, is there like, do you put a, a quality stamp on the fish or are you just looking for maybe fish that will bite over, you know, saying, well, there's a group of fit. I want to really put these guys on a group of 15 inch to three pound fish. So, you know, that they're catching something that have keeper size that is quality, or do you just kind of, base it off hey this lake this is kind of what is the norm for this body of water and this is this is kind of what we're going to go after no because it could be the biggest bass of their life so i you know i might jokingly say that's a good warm-up fish or they're so excited uh you know and, and it's like the first spot of the day and i'll say mm -hmm. guys i am so glad y'all have so much fun with these fish but i have to tell you a secret these are medium fish for this lake. They're like, what? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're going to go try another spot. And so, so I, I kind of bring it around that way. I, I don't want to dumb it down because it's still, you know, some of the biggest fish of their life and, and they are there to catch a big fish. But some people, 
are just they're happy to be catching fish. And so I may be more disappointed in a three pound bass where they would love to do that all day. Mm -hmm. Now, do you still this is kind of a off off brand or off topic question. So now that you've kind of switched to the boat, uh, well, you've added the boat to your arsenal. Do you still have clients that are calling in and requesting the kayak side specifically based on what you've done in the past? Yep. And uh, I mean, I, I still have the fleet of Jackson boats that are, you know, that, that I am going to take when, you know, I have, I actually have a family of four every single time they tried to go out with me. uh, We tried three or four times and it was a torrential downpour or 40 mile per hour winds. It just never worked. So in the springtime we are going out and, and uh, you know, I, I even tried to say, you know, Hey, we can take the bass boat. Uh, you know, and they're like, no, 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 my wife wants to kayak. She wants to learn how to kayak fish. And so it's the, the kayak fishing has not gone away. Um, it's, it's just, it's been, uh, the bass boat's been a really good tool for families with younger kids, um, to, to really just get beginners out there where you don't have to focus on maybe someone who's not that athletic, who doesn't want to learn how to kayak and fish in the same day. So it's been a great tool, but there are, I mean, I was out on the river today. I was not in a bass boat. I was in a kayak. Now I was casting and blasting, you know, I was duck hunting as well as walleye fishing, but, uh, you know, the NAR is just so versatile on days like that, that, you know, you can do that. But in the springtime, you have some of the ice that hasn't completely gone out yet. And I, the kayaks, I, I have to be in a kayak to fish for trout in April and early May. Uh, mm-hmm. the, it's, it's almost a little too dangerous to bring the, the bass boat out, especially to larger lakes where there could be pieces of ice floating around. Not to mention, mm-hmm. you leave your kayak out and it gets 20 degrees in the end of April, no problem. Mm-hmm. You leave a bass boat out and you it gets some icy problems. Night. Yo, it's it's a little little bit more expensive to repair some some issues yeah, in the back sure. boat. Um, but again, it, it is a tool. Uh, kayak kayak fishing has brought me to where I am today, and I'm not going to forget it. Yeah, and it's awesome that you've kind of got that niche built into TBC Guides um, of kayak fishing. It, it's a different experience, I'm sure, for a lot of folks coming up and and wanting to fish with you on the water. So. Moving on to the next question, um, we've talked about managing fish. We've talked about finding fish. We've talked about looking for quality keepers. What are some of the things that go into just your overall day? Like, how do you manage yourself, Wyatt, while you're out on the water? Like, how do you know when it's time to go? How do you know, you know, hey, I'm I need to eat something. Hey, I need to I haven't drank in four hours. I need to grab a quick drink. <laughs> How do you manage that entire process throughout kayak fishing while you're trying to find these fish, manage these fish, and control the quality? That's something as kayakers and kayak anglers in general. I've noticed a lot of guys that uh they kind of forget to take a second and have that snack or take that drink of water because uh, you're so caught up in what you're doing and it, it well I know of a guy that actually got sick basically because he was dehydrated in the water during a tournament he's so focused on the fish that, I mean it, it was a 90 degree day and the humidity was terrible and and uh, he just straight up got dehydrated and when you're making those moves in the kayak, I mean, they're going to take a little while. You utilize that time to drink that bottle of water or eat your snack going to the next spot. Um, that's usually my main focus. You know, anytime I'm moving, that's my key time to uh, utilize that time because in a kayak, time is everything. Um, whether it's making a move or, or uh, you know, just fishing an area. But, yeah, definitely it it gets overlooked way too much and um it does create some safety issues i think for some that overlook it 
I mean, you can get distracted real easy. So, Michael, that's a really big question for you. I mean, not only are you managing your fish, managing the quality, managing your boat, managing all these things and yourself, but you've got to be on the lookout for Tom and Betty that have come out and paid. Yeah. It's the third, third bad cast. The third bad cast, whether you have forgotten to open the bail, you Mm -hmm. have passed it into my hat, or you have hit the side of the boat with the lure, uh, you are going to sit down, you're going to have water, you're going to have something to eat. It is snack Mm -hmm. time. Um, and you're gonna, and it's, it's always in people push and push and push. And, uh, and, and I, I don't want to sound sexist in this, but ladies, when you need to use the bathroom, you just got to tell us, you know, there's a, the lake, the big lake that I fish. I have a relationship with the hotel there. I can pull that boat up anytime we can use the, the bathroom that's at the pool house. You know, and 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 they're not shy about that because the porta potty at the boat launch. Let's be honest, it's used mostly by men, and you just you you do not want to go go to it. Uh, and sometimes your bad cast, you just really need to pee. It's a full bladder. Uh, it happened to me today. I was I was so miserable. I was you know there were ducks flying around everywhere. I was, I was like I don't feel like shooting anything, and uh, I was like you know what, Mike, you you need to go to have a bathroom break. So yeah, you just gotta gotta take care of yourself just a little bit. Um, mm. It's the it's the blood sugar, it's the the emptying of the bladder and the rehydration. No, for sure. And it's the for straw hat. Sure. The big straw hat is the lifesaver when you're fishing with other people because you have brought- we know what a good cast sounds like. We know what a bad oh, yeah. cast sounds like. When I hear a bad cast. All I do is tip my hat in front of my face, and I know that no hooks are going to go into this grill. They're going to go into the straw hat. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Um, so we're kind of getting close to the hour here, but um, so we'll start with Wyatt again here. What are some of your plans um, as we kind of move towards 2024? I mean, we're, we're creeping up on the last month of the year starts tomorrow. What are you looking forward to? What do you? Th- what are your plans? Um, what are you kind of like starting to break down for your kayak fishing for um, spring of twenty four? Um, I've been throwing around, around a lot of ideas. Obviously, um, still waiting on some schedules to drop to really confirm anything. Um, obviously, going to be continuing to fish some local grubby stuff just because of uh, the flexibility. You know. I got a couple of lakes close to home and being the unique schedule that they have, it really fits into really anybody's, you know, schedule. Definitely going to be hitting a few of them. Uh, USA Bassins, uh, their schedule, it, it's, I'm really excited for it. So I'll be hitting all those for sure. Um, a few psychic events here and there. They got a lot close to home this year. So I'll be hitting some of those and, I've really been thinking long and hard on it, but uh, kind of want to hit some of the Bassmaster Kayak Series stuff this year. So awesome. we'll see. Like I said, depending on some of the schedules it gets released yet, but uh, definitely want to – Gunnersville is definitely top on the list this year to go back to. So It's a beautiful place to go. Michael, your your season never stops. Well, if you're in, if if the season never stops, you're actually in your downtime here for a few more weeks, um, getting to have a little bit of fun for Michael. Um, what do you got? Uh, what's it looking like coming up for the big ice season, man? When's that? When do you feel like you're going to start? So uh, I decided to take the plunge. Uh, I, I made too much money this year, mm-hmm. so I I needed to stay in the red for uh, mm-hmm. for tax purposes. So I, uh, I decided that. to behind me, I have my, my ice live scope set up. So mm-hmm. I am, uh, I'm going to take on Lake trout this year. Uh, I'm going to learn how to teach myself and learn from others, how to jig for Lake trout on the bigger bodies of water in New Hampshire and Vermont. Um, you know, they're, they're the more elusive fish, you know, bass 
uh, under the ice. You just need some live minnows and you need to know where to go. Pike, mm-hmm. uh, I would love to push 20 pounds on the pike this year under the ice. Um, uh, personally, but I, I really just want to have just more of a presence on the ice. I'm, I'm looking into one of those like really nice uh, ice cabins, you know, that has like a wood fire stove and everything. Uh, we oh, just, yeah. we need some, we do need some really solid ice. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking forward th- to next year, one of the things that uh, my retail partner up here, Outdoor New England, uh, mm-hmm. we hooked up with one of the hotels on one of the lakes that I do a lot of trips on. And mm-hmm. we want to get them kind of having their own fleet of Jackson kayaks. And uh, there's a real opening in the in the hotel market around here of getting people to have their own small fleet of kayaks. One of the biggest things that, uh, you know, I I will say having the bass boat, everything is in the boat. I put it in the water and I go the kayaks when I have over three or four people, it's a lot to unload. You know, it's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's a completely different experience. Uh, the kids groups, I love it because I make kids do all the work, you know, parents Mm -hmm. are like, make my kid work. No problem. I will make them, you know, carry a kayak, but there's so many hotels and riverfront properties and and lakefront properties out here that need their own kayaks. And the thing that we are trying to do is let them see that, you know, we will build out a fishing program at your resort with Jackson kayak. And I have a couple other uh, guys working for me this summer that I'm hoping to expand my business and put them in that role, you know, and and get them taking these small fishing trips on these small ponds and lakes with these hotels and cottages, uh, all fishing out of a Jackson kayak. So as much as I am looking forward to ice fishing season, uh, you know, there's, there's no Jackson kayaks. I'm pulling around on the ice. So I'm still looking into 24 and how do I get more people into a Jackson? Very good. I like it. Well, we're going to do one more thing here before you guys go. And I'm going to let you guys play a good game of, um, rock, paper, scissors here real quick. And, uh, you decide who gets to go first. gosh so michael you're up first okay bring back the music you guys hear the music isn't it classy it's different wyatt had rock he won does that mean he goes first no that means you go first you lost (laughs) so five five quick fire questions Favorite fishing lure? Oh, chatterbait. Chatterbait. I like it. Blake, you're least likely to fish ever again. Ooh. Oh. Oh, man. What was the name of that lake? Oh, I hated it. Oh, Lake Sunapee. Because <laughs> I, I remember that. Never heard of that place. Hmm. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, no, Sylvester no, Steven Tyler has a house on Lake Sunapee. Worst TV show fishing theme song. TV show fishing theme song? Yeah. You can say Road Trip Angler. Oh, I don't watch a lot of fishing TV shows. Road Trip Angler, sure. There you go. Yeah. So, Jameson, um, best fishing show on YouTube. What what you what are you YouTubing these days? Oh man, I I I like the qualified captain just because you know I'm a I'm a new powerboat owner and so I like to see what not to do. So I'm I. I like qualified captain. It's not fishing, but it's boating. There you go. There you have it. Um, Last and final question. Goofiest thing that's ever happened to you on your way to the water. Goofiest Uh, encounter. Oh, encounter? Yeah. Um, These are tough. These are tough. 
on the way to the water. Um, I went back to my house four times. The first time I had a Garmin Striker 4, um, forgot the mount and then forgot the head unit, then forgot the transducer, then forgot the battery. And uh, yeah, that was my first experience with sonar. Nice. All right. Quiet, you're in the hot seat. You're in the hot seat. Look, we're going to switch the music. Switch the music. We're going oh, night driving. That's what this one's called night driving. So, we're going to start off with you. Favorite lure off the top of your head? Uh, Nico. Nico Rig. Lake, you're least likely to ever fish again. Oh, boy. Uh, there's a couple of lakes I'd like to say. Um, man, I really don't know that stuff. Really don't know. I, I go and seeing all lakes and going back to them just to, you know, for the rebound. Yep. Just for the rebound. All right. Now it's the million dollar question. The worst fishing. TV show theme song. I don't watch much fishing on TV. I, I do. Um, man. It's okay to say Bill Dance. Well, honestly, that was what I was thinking of. He's iconic. You're not going to hurt Bill's feelings. He's not <laughs> listening to this podcast, I can assure you. That, that's exactly what I'm thinking of, but it's so iconic. It's, it's great but it's not necessarily the best theme song what are you watching on youtube uh scott martin all scott day. martin uh, all day every day yeah. um goofiest encounter on your way to the lake oh boy <laughs> a lot of y'all probably don't want to know some of the uh i mean you've met us yeah <laughs> Um, I tell you what, that emergency bathroom break on the way to the lake is, is quite, uh, probably entertaining to some, but keep, keep those details to myself. <laughs> We've all been there. We yep. have all been there. Okay. Um, I'd say emergency bathroom breaks are probably, they're probably top 10 on most anglers to the lake embarrassing moments I think you'd be hard pressed to find uh, we've got one Christian he says he, road trip anglers his favorite fishing show theme song he often plays it on loops before watching the videos hey uh are, are, on, man. We're, 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 we're still broadcasting right Chad can I can I tell yeah we're funny, still broadcasting you can, can I tell, tell him. can I tell a funny uh kayak fisherman famous kayak fisherman bathroom story absolutely all right so uh i hope i don't get in trouble for this this is gonna be this is gonna be funny actually um and you know being that uh he spoke about jackson kayak in one of his last podcasts i will get to speak about him i was very excited mm -hmm. to meet this gentleman um on a lake in north carolina i picked up my trailer from on mm -hmm. the water innovations and there was a gentleman uh with uh with a trailer also from on the water innovations who mm -hmm. was going to fish with the guys from on the water and i was very excited to meet him but apparently chad hoover had a very unfortunate taco or something and we we're on the lake all day long all day waiting for him to come join us and he never did and like I finally, I, I I actually feel bad now that I actually went to go shake his hand while he's sitting in his truck. Uh, but yeah, he uh, he was very mum about it. But yeah, uh, almost got to fish with Chad Hoover. <laughs> no comment. No, no comment. Moving forward. It's uh, all right. <laughs> so, as we close the show out for tonight, uh, we'll start with Michael. Um, Thank the people that you need to thank. Tell the people where to find more about TBC Guides and Michael Blatt on the socials. Uh, let's see. 
Uh, Instagram is the the heavy hitter these days. I still haven't taken the TikTok plunge at TBC Guides and tbcguides.fish. There will be a lot of ice fishing content in the coming weeks after this weekend's rain. But uh, yeah, we are still in the throes of hunting season and things like that. So stay tuned to all the fun stuff that's happening up here. Absolutely. How about you, Mr. Wyatt? Uh, Thank the people that you want to thank. And, um, you know, obviously tell them where to find more about you on the social worlds. Uh, As far as social media, I got Facebook. I don't have a page. I thought about starting one. So uh, stay tuned for that one. Um, Wyatt, YFZ88 on uh, Instagram and TikTok, Wiley underscore Wildman. And, uh, Really like to thank Thunderhawk Lures. Them guys picked me up this year, and they really just treated me like family. Um, they make some killer baits, and I, I I am so beyond blessed to have them. And I actually worked their Black Friday sale with them and got to know everybody, the owner. It's, you know, they treated me to just, it, it's just been really surreal for what they've done for me this year. And uh, I got a discount code Y10 if anybody wants to check them out and save a few bucks. Um, Evolve Fishing, they make some killer rod sleeves. Um, they're neoprene, practically hook resistant. They float. Um, and then Jackson, sign me up. Jackson Kayak, I mean, they really show the sport, you know the love they need i mean there's very few companies as as involved as jackson and that shows a lot about the company and the people and the family atmosphere and everything so can't thank them enough no awesome man it's been it's been great having both of you dudes on the podcast tonight. i feel like uh i feel like we had a good round table discussion tonight um you guys crushed it out of the park as always um, and I feel like hopefully somebody walked away learning a little bit of something tonight, or at least got a cool idea on something. And you um, only said that, live scope twice. We only said live scope twice. So this Crazy. episode's not banned from YouTube. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I would honestly like to thank Jackson Kayak, Orion Coolers. Uh, they make this thing possible. Uh, Doc Talk, Orion Podcast. It's been an amazing opportunity these last two years to bring these episodes to you guys. Um, then we've got to thank Z-Pro Lithium Batteries uh, for everything that they do. They keep Zach and I and the Orion podcast powered with their lithium-powered um, units. Absolutely phenomenal. We haven't had a battery go to sleep. They've knocked it out of the park all year long. Um, Evolve Rod Sleeves have just joined us um, for the JK Trail and the Orion podcast, so we're stoked to have them on board, um, as well as Casking. Casking has been the biggest eye opener in quality products I think I've had in a long time. So check those guys out, castking.com. Um, and then lastly, Basco. Get you some Basco shirts. Um, new shirts are getting ready to hit. 2024 drop is on the way. Chris has been working hard on some new swag for everybody. So check out Basco Fishing. And uh yeah, you're going to be pretty stoked on what you find. Uh, there's a little bit of something for everybody. You can thank me for the plainer clothes because I made Chris go back and put something a little more mellow in there for us guys that, you know, ain't necessarily so flashy. But if he flashes your gig, man, he's got that too. So, yeah, thanks for watching. Um, join us in uh, not this week, but next week we will be back. A new Orion podcast, a new Doc Talk. But until then, we will see you on the next one. Good night, everybody. It's crushed.